Turn in your Bible to the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah. There's an old foe that you need to constantly be reminded of. Remember the truth of God's word says God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You cannot see God. You cannot see the devil. You have never seen heaven and you've never seen hell. We have not seen anything on the other side of this life. But because of the Bible, we can see clearly. We see things that others can't see because of our faith. We believe that the Bible is true. We believe it is the Word of God. We believe that there is a true and living God. And I believe He knows what's going on. When you understand what has happened, and you understand what's going on, gives you a better foundation for understanding what's going to take place in the future. Because believing that is dependent upon believing the past. Is God's word trustworthy? I want to go back to a time when God said that he made someone named Lucifer. So who's Lucifer? Glad you asked. Way back here in the beginning, we call it eternity past. The God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Well, there was, yes, a time when God had an angel named Lucifer, son of the morning, the anointed cherub. Evidently, he was a very powerful angel and a very beautiful angel. I've never seen a real angel. I've seen my wife, but I'm not talking about another angel, a real angel. So I don't know what beauty it must have been, what this angel looked like. But I know this, the Bible says that Lucifer led a rebellion against God. Now you would think somebody would have to be out of their gourd to think you could overthrow God. But believe it or not, I've lived long enough to see that there's people in this world that want to be God. They want to be God of their own lives. They don't want the true and living God to be their God. They can't see him, but there's somebody else that wanted to be God. And that's the devil. You see, the devil is the Lucifer when he rebelled. And because he wants to be God, he wants you not to worship the true and living God, but he wants to steal the honor from God. I want you to take your Bible and look there at this verse. Isaiah chapter 14. And look here in verse 12. Now, this is a prophecy of a date that's going to take place. But it lets us see where it came from, how it happened. You see, in verse 12, it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the 
mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the most high. It's possible that Satan was on the earth before sin upon the earth. And what all he got to do, we don't really know. We just get little pieces here and there. But the Bible tells us that he had lifted himself up in his heart and five times, I will, I will, I will. And he wants to be God. That's this angel that was created in such beauty. Anyway, it goes on and it talks about some things that's going to take place. We're going to look at that in just a moment in chapter 12 of the book of Revelation. But take your Bible and look there in the book of Ezekiel. The book of Ezekiel and chapter 28. Ezekiel chapter 28. Sometimes the scripture addresses a man, the title of a man, or even a kingdom or a nation, but it's penetrating through that person that is a representative of the devil and talks to the devil himself. Remember when Jesus says, I'm going to the cross, the Son of Man shall be killed. And somebody named Peter says, not so, Lord, not going to happen. I've got my trusty sword and I'll deliver you. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Now, Peter wasn't Satan, but that's where that thought came from. See, there's a lot of times you and I, we say and do things and it didn't come from God. And believe it or not. It didn't come from you. Is it we sometimes are given thoughts and we will say things and you want to why in the world did I say that? Where'd that come from? That's why you study the word of God to discern your thoughts. Now, you need to understand Satan cannot make you do anything. But Satan can give you thoughts and ideas. He cannot read your mind but he can interject thoughts into your mind. Satan does not know everything, but there's a lot of things he does know. I preached a sermon one time called The Conflict of the Ages, showing all the way down from the first man, all the way down until the time Christ was to be crucified, the conflict down through the ages. And how that whenever God would reveal something through his prophet, Satan would move and try to block and do whatever he could do. Because he doesn't know everything that's going to take place. He knows how it's going to end. But until then, the Bible says, he knoweth that he hath but a short time. He knows that. A lot of things he knows. And one thing he can do very well is quote the scriptures. He even quoted the scriptures to Jesus when he was trying to tempt him to sin but he would always misquote the scriptures and not tell the whole thing. That's what he does to us. That's what people do when they want to do their own thing and go their own way. Oh, we like sheep. Bah, gone his own way. And the Lord hath laid upon him Christ, the iniquity of us all. So we've all sinned. We have all done things just like the devil wants us to. We are by nature the children of disobedience, children of rebellion. 
and we listen to the prince of the power of the air. Satan, after he had sinned and called him to sin in the garden. Satan, the prince of the power of the air. And this is his world. And he was able to show Christ the kingdoms of the world in a moment. In other words, he must have had a VCR, and a, you know, a DVD or something, and was able to run it for him. But anyway, showed him all of this. Ain't it amazing something like that's even in the Bible? I think it's awesome. But we know that Christ is going to have him kicked out of heaven once again. There's going to be a great battle, and he's coming down to the earth. And he hath great power. He's going to do a lot of things and really going to deceive the world. He's done a pretty good job so far. But wait till you see what else he's going to do. But now here in Ezekiel in chapter 28, look there in verse 2. The Son of Man say unto the Prince of Tyrus, Thus saith the Lord God. Now it looks like he's talking to this man. But he's talking to the one that's behind the scenes. The one you can't see. Because thine heart is lifted up, and thou hast said, I am a God. I sit in the seat of God, in the midst of the seas. Yet thou art a man and not God. Though thou set thine heart as the heart of God, Behold, thou art wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that they can hide from thee. With thy wisdom, with thy understanding, thou hast gotten thee riches and hast gotten gold and silver unto thy treasure. And there's people today that think because they're able to accumulate great wealth, I must be God. Or look who I am. I am so great. But they never lay up treasures in heaven. Laying up treasures on the earth is not what we're about. That's not why we're here. God says, a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. There's a lot more than that. But he goes through here and he says here in verse 6, Therefore thus saith the Lord God, because thou hast set thine heart as the heart of God. In other words, you want to be God. You want to be in charge. And you think this is how you're supposed to do it. So God says that Satan works behind the scene and tries to get people to be God in their own eyes. To do your own, go your own way. You are in charge. It's, it's just your life. And forget about the true and living God. Now, the devil has been very successful. Did you know that most of the problems that you'll have in your life is because you decided to play God? You refuse to do what God says to do, what the book says to do, and you rationalize it in your own mind. You become the dictator of your own heart. And you lift yourself up in pride, and you overthrow the throne of God, or seek to. And it won't work. You are not God. I am not God. The devil is not God. Now, he was told the, the God of this world, but there is only one true and living God. And God said, I will not give my glory to another. I won't give it to the devil, and I won't give it to anybody else. Look what he says. He says in verse 9, Wilt thou yet say, 
before him that slayeth thee. I am God, but thou shalt be a man and no God in the hand of him that slayeth thee. Now, there's a time coming during this period of time right here when the Antichrist will set up his kingdom upon this earth. He will have his man. And he will claim that he is God and demand people to worship him as God. But he is a man. He's not God. And God's going to take care of the devil. And God's going to take care of this man. And the beast and the prophet, the false prophet, will be cast into the lake of fire. How art thou cast down, which didst weaken the nations? You see, God speaks to the devil and tells him a lot of things. So that you and I know, if we all look at it, to know what's going to take place, not only in the past, but what's going to take place in the future. This is the reason that the Antichrist is going to be able to do what he does in conquering the nations of the world and why they're going to give him their power because of his lying tongue, his deceptiveness. He's going to deceive the whole world going to deceive them. And if God didn't do what he did, he would even deceive his own people, his own elect, Matthew chapter 24 says. Now look what he says there in verse 12. Verse 12 says, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. Say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealeth up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Boy, it must have been something. I mean, this angel was the most perfect, beautiful thing you've ever seen, probably, or ever will see. That's what God says. Look at verse 13. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. So evidently, he was in the garden before Adam and Eve fell, before he rebelled against the Lord. So he had to have been there, and it talks about all the things that he was able to do, and he prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Thou art the anointed cherub, in verse 14. I set thee so, thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. You've been there. You were there. You were perfect in all of your ways. No problem. In verse 15, thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. Till iniquity was found in thee. Now we're talking about old Lucifer. Old Lucifer. And then it says in verse 17, Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Well, I've watched a lot of people ruin their lives because of something like this. Because of their beauty or because of their fame or their popularity or this money and what they People lift up because of pride. And thinking because of that, there's some. Listen, the moment you die in a few days, you'd be surprised how the worms are going to enjoy your body. Unless you get embalmed, then they won't taste it. But you are living in a body of dirt. It's nothing but a little water and a little mud. Dirt. That's that beautiful body that you have. And it's going back to the dust of the earth. And it's amazing what people will do for five to six foot of dirt. Sounds kind of pitiful, don't it? But there's 
something who lives inside of the body. That husband of yours, that wife of yours, you've never seen them because they're a spirit. You've only seen the house they live in. And you thought more about the person because of the quality of the house that they had. You ever go down Bayshore Drive and look at the quality of some of those homes? I <gasps> wonder who lives there. And you see all those big, beautiful, million-dollar homes. But the people who live on the inside are probably no better than the ones that live in the little old shack. But anyways, we're moving right along here. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. Now, in Revelation chapter 12, there's a story. Kind of lays out pretty much the whole Bible, or most of it. Kind of gives you a, a thumbnail sketch of what God's doing. You see there in verse 1, he talks about a woman. There appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. Now, most people who believe the Bible and study it and so forth believe this is talking about Israel. And remember Joseph who had some dreams and the sun and the moon and stars, all that, and it talked about the weed that bowed down to him and all that. Well, his brothers didn't like him. His daddy had made him a coat of many colors. And it caused a lot of grief. But actually, it was prophecy being told in advance of what was going to take place. And it happened. But Joseph didn't know and understand it all. But God knows what he's doing. And he told his brothers one day, he says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God sent me down here into Egypt to prepare a place for y'all. Because God knew the famine was coming. Years in advance, God knew all of this. God had a plan. And he told all that was going to happen. And he revealed it to Joseph later. And God had a little place, the choice land of Egypt, in order to build his nation. See, God knew what he was doing. It was planned before the foundations of this world. Now behind the scene that you cannot see is the hand of God moving. We call it the providence of God. He works not only with nations and hath worked with Israel, but he works in your life. And you can't see him working behind the scenes. But he loves you. He wants the best for you. And some things may happen to you and it might seem for the worst. And God means it for the best. If you don't understand God, you're going to get mad at him. You're going to get bitter at God. But it's uh, good to have a, a new view, a better attitude of what God is doing. But understand with that knowledge comes also an understanding that there are also many adversaries. There's going to be opportunities for you to do more for the Lord, but there's also going to be a lot of obstacles and problems in life. And the devil is going to do all that he can. He probably made a New Year's resolution. Goes something like this. I'm going to get you this year. I'm going to get you. He is a roaring lion seeking, seeking whom he may devour. He's hungry. And he wants to. He's, he's a lion 
You're like out in the wilderness and there's a lion on your trail and he's hungry and he's after you. Do you understand that? That's why you need to stay together with God's people and protect one another. You can fight off the line a lot easier with somebody than you can alone. So I don't need church. Yes, you do. But he says here in verse 3, And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, seven crowns upon his head. Now, this is a great red dragon. You say, well, who is this great red dragon? I'm glad you asked. Sneak down there to verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought in his angels. So you know there's a war going on. Angels fighting against angels. The devil's angels fighting against God's angels. And in verse 9. And that great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. So now we know who that dragon is. It's the devil. And you go back up there to verse 3, where it talks about this great red dragon. Well, the great red dragon, see, is after the woman. The woman is Israel. That's God's chosen people. So the devil is going to do everything possible to destroy the nation of Israel. Why? Because that's God's chosen nation. That's the nation that God wants to use to show his power through. Look what God has done for that little bitty nation and how he delivered them from Egypt. And how God has opened up the Red Sea and how God has blessed them in the wilderness and how God gave them this choice land. Look what God's done for them. That's a testimony to God. So the devil is going to do everything he can to destroy, to destroy. And down through the years, the devil has tried his dead level best to destroy the nation of Israel, to kill as many Jews as possible. Haman tried it, wanted to annihilate them. Hitler's tried it, wants to annihilate them. And that little remnant is still over there in the Middle East with all of these hungry lions. And if it wasn't for the protection of God, Israel would be devoured. Isn't it true that these hungry lions all over the place want to destroy Israel? Just because of who they are. It's not because of what they've done. They ain't done anything to anybody else, the other nations. But they hate them. They hate them. And great damage is going to be done. So the Bible says in verse 4, And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. This is why we believe that Satan's rebellion took one-third of the angels of heaven, and these are his little demons that he's got. You see, are there real demons? Yeah. Little devils. Your daddy ever tell you I'm going to knock the devil out of you? I must have been devil free. And what was he doing? What was the devil doing? Well, see there in the last part of verse 4. For to devour her child as soon as it was born. This woman was going to have a child. That child is Jesus. So the devil... Every time God would reveal things, the devil would try to block the line and try to destroy. And when he found out where that child was born, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Come and tell me that I may go and worship him also. 
Is that really what Herod wanted to do? It wasn't Herod. It was somebody using Herod trying to get to that child. Killed a lot of babes there in the city of Bethlehem trying to kill one baby, stabbing at one baby. But God already revealed and they had taken little Jesus and down into Egypt. And when Herod was dead, he came back. But that's mentioned right here. Look in verse 5. She brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Well, see, the devil wants to rule all nations with a rod of iron. He wants to be the head, the leader, the dictator. That's what this tribulation period is about. Satan is going to have his man that will do his will, his bidding, and set up a one world government so that you will understand. This world is headed toward a one world government. And that's why it says, who is able to make war with this beast? If there's only one government and all the nations come together, we're not talking about like one nation like America. We can have war with Russia. We can have war with China. But this government is going to have all governments. Who will be able to make war with this Antichrist, this beast, this man in the last days that will set himself up and demand that everybody, you will not be able to buy or to sell unless you have the mark of this last government. And a lot of people are going to be destroyed. Do not look for a utopia upon the earth. Does it look like we're headed into a utopia on the earth? It's called a seven-year tribulation. This is the worst period of time that the world has ever known. You read Revelation chapter 18 and you'll find the biggest stock market crash you've ever read about. There is a stock market crash. It affects the whole earth. And it's coming. But now, in this period of time, God's given us a little capsule of, of what it's all about. You see there in verse 5, this woman that brought forth the child, Jesus, well, the woman didn't want the child. The child was rejected, put to death by the Gentiles, mainly. But I know the whole story there, so don't fret. And it says that he was caught up into heaven. See there in the last part of verse 5? And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman, Israel, fled into the wilderness where she had the place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. That's three and one half years. What we're doing is this. Take this and just take it out of there. It's like a parenthetical expression in the sentence. It don't need it and it doesn't hurt the flow of the sentence. And then you take this slide it up against the cross. And then you go from here straight into here. And then you can understand the scriptures better. Because that's the way it's prophesied. This was not talked about and preached about in the Old Testament. This was given later. Most of it revealed to the Apostle Paul. So the day is coming when there's going to be another war or a battle. Where right now it seems like the devil has access into the presence of God. That's going to stop because he's able to accuse us. 
before the Father. That's going to stop. And if you'll look here, it says in verse 7, there was this war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against with his angels. Now, this looked like it could be a dual prophecy relating to history of the past, or it may refer to the present, because it makes this statement in verse 11. He says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice ye heaven. In heaven, while this is going on, we can rejoice. But those on the earth, look what it says. Verse 12, therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For they get this, the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. So three and a half years after they break that treaty with Israel, he goes into the temple and claims that he is God, demands to be worshipped, and this is the worst period of time that the world has ever known. And God will have a place for about a third of the Jewish people in order to hide and protect themselves. Now, I have an idea where that might be. A little place called Petra. But I may not be accurate, but I'll be close. And that's going to be during this period of time. So the devil is going to do everything he possibly can to annihilate the Jew. You see, to start off with, he makes a peace treaty with the nation of Israel. This is the beast that hates the woman but the woman is able to ride the beast. But the time will come when this beast will overthrow the woman and burn her with fire and destroy the nation of Israel. But there is always a remnant that God will have. And then guess what he says in verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. That's the nation of Israel. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time, one year, times, two years, half a time, that's half a year, three and a half years. Three and a half years here, the same as over there in verse 6 where it says a thousand, two hundred and three score days. Exactly three and a half years. So this is a time limit. Because Christ is coming back in power and great glory at the end of that period of time. So there's only so much time. This is the 70th week of Daniel. There were 69 weeks up until the time when he was cut off. One week left of seven years was shoved out here in the future because they rejected the Messiah. So the kingdom was postponed. So God brought in the church age where we are. One day the rapture will take place and we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then the prophecy with Israel will start once again. It always has to do with the nation of Israel. God's little time clock. But everything, I assure you, is right dead on schedule. God is not late. He is not tarrying. He is coming just like he promised. And he'll come when he said he will come. Now look at this. In verse 15, And the serpent, which is the devil, the dragon, Satan, 
cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. Now, I want you to understand, and look at it in chapter 16. When you talk about the devil, he is the dragon. Look in verse 13. When he says he cast out this flood that comes out of his mouth. Verse 13, And I saw three unclean spirits, like frogs, come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. There is your unholy trinity. We have the holy trinity. This is the unholy trinity. But you have the dragon, and he is like God the Father. And then you have the beast, which is like Christ, who died and came back from the dead. See, that beast is going to do the same thing. And then you have the Holy Spirit, and he is to get people to magnify the Son. Here, the false prophet gets people to magnify the beast and causes the people to worship the beast. So you have the unholy trinity, and how long was Christ's ministry? Three and a half years. How long is his ministry? Three and a half years. And did Christ die and come back from the dead? And he's going to try to imitate everything that's the truth, but it's a lie. And people are going, oh, look at what they did. Christ did it. They don't care. This idiot can do it. And they'll worship him. Dumb. But he catches the way the frog catches its prey. Frog don't catch him with his feet. Now he got beautiful legs, no doubt. But he catches him with the tongue. <coughs> and that's how he gets them. They use their tongue. They will lie and cheat and deceive. And you'll find that mentioned in the Old Testament, the book of uh, Daniel, where it talks about he uses great flattery, great swelling words. And that's how he's going to capture. And people are going to be caught up in this web that he will produce. Now, go back there to Revelation chapter 12. And there's a place that is designed, I believe, for a remnant of Israel. Because it's going to be so important that this remnant will see and this is who Christ was talking to in the book of Matthew chapter 24. He says, when ye shall see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place. Talking about Daniel the prophet that had mentioned it in Daniel chapter 9 verse 27. He says, when ye shall see, that's the people that will be living during this generation, this period of time. Not when Israel became a nation in May 28, 1948. It didn't say that. I believe that that's very important because how are you going to have a peace treaty made with something that don't exist? Israel had to be established as a nation again, and that is truth, and it has happened. But the generation living, when this takes place, when ye shall see all these things spoken of, well, see, you and I, we're, we're already gone. Not talking about it. Talking about the people here. Then lift up your eyes, for your redemption draweth nigh. This is when Christ comes back in power and great glory, and every eye shall see him. And the Bible says, and they will be saved as in a day. The book of Romans in chapter 11. They will see the Lord, and they will believe 
on the Lord. And they will trust him as their Messiah. And Jesus Christ will come to the earth. His feet will touch upon the Mount of Olives. It will cleave in the mist. And the Bible says there will be a judgment of the nations. And all those people who have believed on the Lord will go into the kingdom. And those who have not will be cast into the lake of fire. Now, that is kind of a, a general idea of what's going on from the beginning to the end. But it's all here in one chapter. Look there in verse 17. And the dragon was wroth or mad with this woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So then he explains all of this and how it's going to happen. And then in chapter 13 talks about that. Chapter 13. Boy, is it good. This is good stuff. You see, it's hard for you to get charged up about the time in which you live when you don't understand what's going on. But the more you understand, the better grasp you have, and you can explain it to somebody, man, you'll be on the phone wanting to talk to and explain this to somebody on the other side of the country. But when you don't know, you just go to work and come home, watch TV, go to work, go home. What a dull, boring life. But knowledge is power. And the more you know, the more you understand, the more it grips you, the more you want to accomplish for the Lord. And don't use this excuse, well, I'm getting old, I can't do anything anymore. Yes, you can. You can draw breath. you got a purpose in living. you got a pulse. You ain't dead. If you ain't dead, live. Anyway, look up here. I had somebody ask me the other day. So do you have any notes? <laughs> well, just these. Just, just, just these. Now, there's time I use a lot of notes. But this is stuff that I've, I've read and studied so much that it's, uh, it's, it's, it's in there. And I just have to hit my little computer button and I can put it together. But this is so important. So good to know what's going to happen next. Now, if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, oh, are you in for it? I feel so sorry for you. I mean, I, I could even pity you because it's going to be terrible. If the rapture takes place today, do you realize what you have to look forward to? And God says multitudes will be killed. But this is, this is you and me. This is sin. We all have sin on us. We've all done things wrong. The devil that you can't see and I can't see, he's lied to all of us. He has deceived the whole world. Every one of us in this room have been affected by the devil. That's why we lie and steal and cheat and all that. It's in us. We have his nature. We have the nature of the devil. That's why Christ, he says, ye are of your father, the devil. Ooh. And every one of us are children of rebellion. We all want our own way. We don't like nobody telling us what we can and cannot do. My life, I'll decide for myself. And buddy, we want to play God. God loves us. Hates what we do wrong. For us to pay for it, eternal separation from God in a place called hell. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. Now see, the devil don't tell you that. The devil doesn't come up to you and say, no, God loves you. He don't tell you that. But God loves you. He hates what you do wrong. But he wants you and I, he wants us to go to heaven where it's perfect. Oh, we don't have to worry about sin anymore. But God says you can't earn it, you can't work for it, you can't buy it. 
So how can I get there? God says, it is not of your works. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord. He's God. He is God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us, but he hates what we do wrong. Because what we do wrong separates us from God. So Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So what he did for the whole world, not just a few chosen ones, he took the sins of all the world, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. And God said that if you, or me, anybody, whosoever, believeth in him, if you'll believe that he did this for you, he would put the payment that he made to your account, and you get to go to heaven on what he did. Now, if you believe it, you have everlasting life. If you don't believe it, the wrath of God abides upon you. And you're only waiting for the day of execution. One of these days, it's going to be final. I'm glad that 50 years ago in a little old living room, as an 18-year-old boy, I understood for the first time God loved me. And he proved it by taking my sins and paying for them on the cross. That he came back from the dead and said, if I believe he did it for me, he would put the payment to my account and I get to go to heaven. So I've known for 50 years I'm going to heaven whenever I die. It's not because I'm good. It's because God is good. He loves me that much. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you can state emphatically, I know I have eternal life. I know I'm going to heaven when I die. Did you know there's a lot of people who can't say that? But if you're sitting here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you say, well, how can I correct this thing? <laughs> Believe it. Believe that he did it for you. And you can trust it right where you're sitting. You don't even have to close your eyes. You don't even have to raise your hand. You don't have to walk an aisle. You don't have to sign a card. You can just sit there and say, I believe that. Take God at his word. Believe it. And he said, if you believe it, you have everlasting life. You mean, it's that simple? That's right. And yet there's people that will go to church all their life trying to earn something you can't earn. And they never know where they're going when they die. Because going to heaven is not a reward that you get by being good down here. You get to heaven only because you trusted Christ and Him alone as your only hope of going to heaven. If I offered you my Bible and you accepted it, you'd have a Bible. And if I offered you this microphone and you accepted it, you'd have a microphone. If Christ comes in here right now and offers you eternal life and you accept it, you would have eternal life. And if it's eternal life, it lasts forever. And if it lasts forever, you can know that you're going to heaven whenever you die. It's the best news in all the world. How many of you in this room know positively if you died right now, you'd go to heaven? Let me see your hand. Okay, put it down. Well, a bunch of fanatics in here. Now see, they're not going to heaven because they're a member of the church. They're not going to heaven because they're better than you. They're going to heaven because they admitted that they're sinners. You know, some people can't do that. They just, I'm not that bad. I didn't rob any banks. I ain't murdered anybody. Well, okay. Have you ever told a lie? Well, a little one. If you're not perfect, you're a sinner. See how easy that was? So yes, you can be saved. You have to qualify, though. You have to be a sinner. He can only save sinners. Let's pray, shall we? If you are here this morning, and if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I do it with heads bowed, nice clothes, because I don't want to put you on the spot. But I do want to know if you understood what I said. So I'm going to ask you 
right where you are. If what I said made sense to you. You could tell me at the door, but then sometimes it gets crowded and you may not tell me. So I want to have a way for you to tell me. So if you will trust Christ as your Savior this morning, say, yes, I believe that he did it for me. I want you to let me know by slipping up your hand and putting it right back down. I'm not going to have you forward, not going to embarrass you, but right where you're sitting. See, that made sense to me. I want to know I'm going to heaven when I die. And preach, I'd like for you to pray for me. Would you slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Anyone at all? Yes, God bless you, sir. Anyone else? No tricks to it. Anyone else? So yes, that made sense to me, and I will trust Christ right now as my Savior. You trust him now, God saves you right now. Our Father, we do thank you so much for all you've done for us. Thank you for the opportunity we have to come together. We pray that we'll be wise and use our time wisely. We pray, Lord, that you'll help us to be aware that the devil is going to do everything he possibly can to ruin our testimony. And we pray we'll look to you and walk with you to trust you. We thank you, Lord, for the individual that indicated by an uplifted hand that they would trust you as Savior this morning. By doing so, they become your child. You give them eternal life, and you'll never cast them out, never lose them. Bless each one here. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.